You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. Patrick Carpenter is a guitar slinger from Jackson, Mississippi, and after moving to Nashville, he quickly became a lead guitar player supporting acts around town before chasing a music career of his own. His 2021 sophomore album, Chasing Me, debuted at number one on the iTunes singer-songwriter charts while crossing over one million streams a month later. While his latest hot single, Living, was featured on Spotify's Fresh Finds playlist as Carpenter has officially surpassed over 3 million streams and reached over 500,000 listeners. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome guitar slinger and singer and friend, the Patrick Carpenter. Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? This is by far the best show that I I have done easily, easily. Well, I always like having you on, and uh, I, I want to kick this off because you are a guitar player, and I've watched you play, and you're absolutely amazing, but I want you to walk us through that incredible story of finding that Gibson Explorer. Oh, yeah. So this is actually coming from a guy who, if you listen to his music, plays like chicken picking. So let's, let's not for, forget that. I, so when I was 2005, like 2005, I was maybe seventh, eighth grade. And my dad wanted to teach me how to have a budget. And so we go on vacation and he says, all right, I'm going to give you this and you can either spend it on the, on the trip or you can save it. And my initial thought being like 12 years old was, oh, I'm going to save this. I'm going to buy something. And so I saved it and I bought this Gibson Explorer, never played it. And it was my favorite guitar my for Christmas that that same year, I got my first like Marshall tube amp and I had that in a Van Halen tab book and I went to town. I was playing hot for teacher, James crying, all that stuff. And as I got older, I got more in, into like country and Telecasters and Fender and it was just always sitting there. So I um, I sold it for whatever reason. I sold it uh, to a shop back home. And I lost dad last year, uh, very unexpectedly. And so, uh, I was kind of on a mission to find it again. Like I had, I had been kind of on that mission though for like a, a few years. Cause I, I, it, it's so, it plays so good. The pickups are so hot on it. And so, uh, I contacted the shop that I bought it from and they said, if you can find us the serial number, we can most likely help find it. And dad had, for whatever reason, on his laptop, like he took his old Sony, like, you know, family camera that we all used to have and took pictures of everything. And if you zoomed in, I found it, uh, gave it to him. A few weeks later, we tracked it down. And it was a whole thing of they called the person that bought it from them who then, you know, they called them to see who bought it. And then we, we got it back and I paid probably two times the amount that I originally paid for it, but we got it back. And that guitar, man, like I used it on the song that um, I wrote about dad because it was like, what a perfect like song, like what a perfect six string for that song. And uh, man, that thing screams. It was funny. I, in ninth grade, I, I put a Bigsby on it. I went through this, 
phase in my life where I wanted to be Steve Vai so bad. And so I didn't want to cut through the guitar and do the whole, like, is it a Floyd Rose that you have to cut in there? So I was like, if I do yeah. the Bigsby, I can just put that on it. And when I finally got it back, the person said, yeah, when I bought it, some idiot put a Bigsby on it and didn't do it right. And I just kind of, and I just said, yeah, I don't know who did that. You know, cause like that was 13 year old Patrick who didn't know what he was doing. And so, but yeah, man, we got it back. And I actually think, when we spoke last time, I mentioned how much I missed that guitar. I, I, I remember think, that because I, think I said you, that. Yeah, you did because in our in in the interview that we did the very first time, you mentioned that guitar, but you didn't have it at the time. I didn't, and yeah, you know, we follow each other on Instagram, and then mm-hmm. I saw that one day you made the post that you yeah. found the guitar and got it back, and I'm like. I remember that story. Yeah, we were and- on we were on the bus going to Knoxville, Tennessee for a football game. And I got a phone call. Hey, we, we found it. And everything checked check the box off, including the serial number on the back of it. And it was like, this is it. And it had all the dings in it. You could see where they had, had to fix it to, to take off the Bigsby. And, um, man, and it plays. I'm such a, like, Telecaster guy that that guitar makes you want to go back and buy like a Les Paul now and like all that. But yeah, it's, it's just an incredible story. Incredible story. It is. And it's funny that you brought up chicken picking (laughs) because the last time I heard that from an artist that I interviewed was John five. Oh, and yeah, he, he was, and he, and he, for, to him, chicken picking is great. Mm-hmm. And and that's what he was calling some of his guitar playing. And it, at first, for me, I'm like, okay, is that a negative? Well, no, because if you can play like John Five, nothing's a, Not negative. a negative. Yeah, didn't he have that like silver kind of reflective Telecaster or something? It was that was maybe a decade ago. He's incredible. Yeah, I think I haven't heard of John Five in a while. He's oh he's uh, yeah I, yeah. Well, yeah, because when I I think I when I interviewed him. He had a black Telecaster, okay. and I thought the pit guard was silver. Maybe that's, that's but I what could it was. be wrong. Okay. But you know, the guy turns the tele- I mean, the guy plays the Telecaster <laughs> and, with rock, just like Keith Richards does. So yeah, so good. You know, so good. it it works. And I know Ry Cooter's the same way. Mm-hmm. Ry Cooter, he he'd say chicken picking too. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there's nothing wrong with that. And I think in the heavy metal world, they probably just call that shredding. Yes. Yeah, it's just shredding with a little bit, bit more gain on it. And that's that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, that's what I like about your songs. You still highlight the guitar. You still have solos. And mm-hmm. we need to see more and more of that come back into uh, to music. I agree. And I think for me, like, it's been, like, people talk about their, like, journey with their songwriting and everything. For me, like, I had to have this journey of what's too much, you know, and, like, how to how to be able to show that I, I know what I'm doing, but, like, not overwhelm somebody. Because if you're a casual listener and you hear Joe Satriani, that's not going to always fit into a country song, you know. And I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not that at all. I, I'm, I'm not him. But, like, I've just had to find ways to tone things down. So even with, like living the very first few notes of that solo is the old Richie Sambora pick slide thing that I'm just obsessed with. 
And um, that's like, that's probably about as far as I can go without, except maybe like a little tapping. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I've, I've got to throw anything too crazy in there. So, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to throw this out okay. at you. It just popped in my head. So I'm going to throw this out at you. All right. When we, when we think of guitar solos, I remember songs when a certain song would come on the radio mm-hmm. and we would like, okay, be quiet. The solo's coming yep. up. What top three Ugh. guitar solos are your favorite? Gosh, I've got to pick three. That's that's it. Um, yeah. my <laughs> I can't say five, but <laughs> well, let's not do that. My favorite guitar <laughs> solo of all time is the Wanted Dead or Alive solo, the Bon Jovi song. Um, and I actually prefer the way Richie plays that live. There's there's such a feeling to that. Um, it kind of it doesn't come out of nowhere, but it for sure takes the song from this minor acoustic rock song to this hard rock song. And like to me, that's when that song shifts. Um, other guitar solos, golly, only five. Jeez, I mean, three. Uh, How about three and then two honorable mentions? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, this might be the entire interview. Um, <laughs> You know, I think that's the kind of thing that I look for is like solos that are its that are its own thing. Um, this really isn't one that I think I would think of, but the sweet child of mine solo, the way that that changes the song, I love that. Like it just because it, the whole song is in D, and I think it goes to like A minor after that. So like, there's something. Yeah, because it actually starts out. Yeah, because it a literally major. starts out. Yeah, and then you get to the actual solo and it's the right. it's literally playing it's off he's, the very when intro he gets of the, to the song. pedal that's when that's when it changes uh there's that one um so Brad Paisley has an instrumental called Nervous Breakdown that he did on either his first or second album and it is literally just chicken picking heaven 135 beats a minute and it's the the whole song is just that and his middle solo, uh, he, he he takes a break, the fiddle plays, I believe, and then he takes the second ride. His solo is incredible. It's so fast. It's 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 incredible. And for me, that's that was like one solo that I kind of sat back and I said, oh, so you can play a guitar solo without having to have distortion on, you know? Because and it's like you can play fast and accurately too. With and he's so clean that you have to be. And it's, oh, dude, it's, it's, just, it's just so good. It's so good. Yeah. Number three. Because uh, uh, <laughs> um, I got three of my own. Who, go. Who were who number three? one? Yep. The ending of Hotel California. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That was cheating. Uh, yeah. the David Gilmore for Pink yep. Floyd, Comfortably Definitely Numb. Not. Yep. And you can't miss Journey's Lights. Oh. Oh. I don't know if I would have thought about that one. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it's 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 so smooth mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. melodic. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where a lot of people don't know the history of Hotel California, Don Felder wrote that as a full-blown instrumental mm-hmm. until Don Henley took a look at it and said, let me add some words to this. And that's how the song was born, oh. but it took two people at the end to play that solo. Oh, 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 I, I just had it in my head and I, I lost it. Um, anyway, I'll probably think 
of it later. Um, <laughs> well, you know what, what throws me off is we can name all the solos from rock music. Yeah, right. We but can. what are the most memorable solos from country? I can't think of one. I can't either. And the ones that come to my mind are like instrumentals. Like it's like a Paisley instrumental or something like that. Or even like an intro riff too kind of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, man. There's a, there's a I can't Bon even Jovi think song the too. Solos. There's a Bon Jovi song too well, called Dry County that was on their Keep the Faith album. And Richie I'm gonna goes have- nuts. On that one. That's why I first yeah, heard you know, the next thing. Yeah. Well, see, I'm thinking of if I had to really, really think hard on country, I would probably have to look back and think of maybe Keith Urban's No One Drinks Alone. Yeah. And the funny thing is about that song, it was the last song on the album. <laughs> A lot of people didn't pay attention mm-hmm. to it. It's one of the best songs, and it was technically the song I called it the last song before he got married and then everything went pop and happy. Yeah, no, that's fair. Actually, the the <laughs> somebody like you, um, solo was one that came to mind too because yeah. that was the first solo that I ever learned to play. Uh, was that one, and the "Who Wouldn't Want to Be Me" intro is essentially its own solo yeah. too, and that one's great. Uh, the one that I forgot, Lagrange, is probably up there too for me. I just oh love yeah. That song. Because like, and that's cheating because the whole song is kind of an instrumental too, you know. But again, that's a solo too that changes the song. They go from A into C, and like, I I dig that. Like, I I dig when like the solo was its own piece of music, and so yeah. Well, and and I think that's why, you know, back in the day we would go, wait a minute, the solo's coming yeah. up. Everybody be yeah. quiet so we can hear the solo. Because it was almost like a song inside of a song. Right. Now we don't hear a whole lot of guitar solos, yeah. and which needs to come back. I because I think there, there's definitely a place yeah, for it. Yeah, and it's really – the only thing I really ever hear is like it's, it's a variation of, of the intro lick or like it's a variation of like the melody for the chorus or something, which those things are great. And I think those things fit songs well. But if you have a lead singer that's a very good – musician why don't we show that off more and i think that the the feedback that i've gotten back from that is well people can hear that live sure but man i sure do love to hear that like all the time you know and so well you bring up a very good point at least with guitar solos when you go see the artist in person Mm -hmm. you can't wait to see that solo and not just hear it there is some type, you know, there, you know, with guitar playing, there's always a showmanship mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that adds to the live experience more than anything, not just adding it to a song just to add flavor, but if it works, you're, you're looking at a song that's going to be twofold. Yeah. One, it's going to be great on the radio, great for people to listen to or download. But when you go see that artist live, it's man, you know, it's the guitar yeah. solo. Yeah. It's a whole d- new experience yeah, for me. <laughs> I've been so bad. I have the worst stank face ever. And I, for whatever reason, can't stop doing it. And I have just always been, I don't know why my reaction to hearing something that I like is just to go "Mm," like that. Like, why is that my reaction? And, but yeah, like I've seen, I've seen plenty of incredible, not just like, I mean, just incredible musicians who just, there's like, there's, 
it, there's a showmanship to it. And, you know, e- like even I think people who are kind of like average players but are great performers will always win over the crowd over the great player but the average performer. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, you're not an average player well, and you're not an average performer, but your brand new single, Living, has been rising very very fast where did the inspiration for the song come from it came from a few places it came from two places actually uh i so i have a friend who she's like very simplistic and like she doesn't need a lot of stuff she's you know and like life like kind of like makes her happy like experiences make her happy and i'm kind of the same way in a sense too and i kind of got to thinking about that too and was like okay so you know, what makes you happy. And then I've got a, I've, I've got a buddy that I work with here every day. He'll kind of just be like, you happy? He'll just, he'll just like ask that, like out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. And we'll just kind of like talk about things. But I, I got to thinking, I was like, okay, well, like what makes you happy? Like what can, and which led me to thinking, okay, well, what do I not need to be happy? You know, and it's like, well, I don't really need a big old house. I don't really need like all of this. It'd be great to have. You know, but like, I don't think you need that. And that's really where the song came from. Well, like, I'm kind of just living when I'm going through these experiences or I'm living when I'm with this person or something. And that's kind of just where it all came from. I mean, it's a really simple subject, you know, I mean, it's, 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 it's a really simple, but I think that's okay. Cause I think sometimes even as a songwriter, especially in country music, which has been so proud of being a like writer based genre that it's really easy, it's really easy to try to outthink the room. And with this song, I thought, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. It has to just be like a fun, upbeat summer song. And like, I like, and I, I may have said this before, for so long, it felt like I was writing songs to get to the solo. And I feel like in the past six to eight months or so, I've really gotten into this groove of, writing songs and then if the solo works great and so that's why i kind of think this song works so well is because it's simple it's fun it's easy to sing to it's catchy it's a vibe and it's a it's a uh it's a subject that i think no matter what your background is you can probably relate to it because i've heard people who don't have a lot of physical things in their life they're as happy as they can be with very little and I've heard people who have everything say that, that they don't need all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it fits both both sides of it, too. You know? Yeah, I love the song, Patrick, because you hear it a couple of times. By the third time, you're singing yeah. along with it. Yeah. And for me, for a fan of music, if you can pick up a song and start singing along with it pretty quickly, mm-hmm. to me, it's automatically a hit well, song. thank you. Yeah, I was... What's funny about the song, too, that has nothing to do with, like, what the song's about was my producer, Brent Rader, who I've worked with now for the past, gosh, four or five years. Gee whiz. Uh, he, we, we, I went in, and I laid down the guitar track, and I sang, and I used a, a real amp. And that was, like, a topic with us. It was like, hey, man, like, I actually used a real amp because people now want to use Kempers and that stuff, which is great, you know, it, they sound great, but I just love an amp. And I bought my new Dr. Z Z-Rec like three days before I went in there. 
And we used that. And then we spent probably 10 minutes on the snare. I, I kept saying, God, man, I just want it to like when, when it hits, you feel a little bit of it coming after that. Like there's got to be a little slap to it and that. So we, we do it and everything. And we probably spent 30 minutes on that, which is a very like minuscule detail that nobody cares about. And Brent goes, Patrick, man, I don't think this song is a hit because we used a real way up and because how the snare sounds. Sure enough, it gets added to that Spotify editorial playlist. And I said, hey, man, I told you it's the snare and it, it's the live band, which is not true. But <laughs> see, I don't see I, I don't. That's weird, because why would he say that? Because when I heard it, well, you know, especially probably by the, the third time, I'm thinking this song needs to be on. Well, it, it should be playing on the radio nationwide because it's got all the elements as well, a hit. He, no, he, he loves the song. He just meant it as like what makes the song great is the song itself, not how the snare sounds. And I was so focused on the snare. Like I, I like Doc, it literally was bad. Like, I was so like, oh, man, it just doesn't, it's not hitting right. And he spent way too long on that just because I was so paranoid that it didn't sound right. And so it was fine how it was. I'm just picky about everything. Well, you know, to me, the the most perfect example that I can relate to that would be Jeff Lynn remastering and re-recording all of the hit songs by ELO because when they first came out, he wasn't satisfied. As for fans, we all sure. loved them, thought right. the songs were great, and then he redoes them. And I have that album. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, what did he actually redo? I think it was just really just fine-tuning yeah. everything to his absolute liking. But, hey, I think recording artists need to be picky because if you don't fix it in the studio to your liking, you're always right. going to be thinking yes. about it from Absolutely. here on out. And I – like. I also think it's good to have somebody like Brent who can help me kind of move past something like that because it's real easy to get obsessed with it. You know, it's real easy to get obsessed with. I don't like the bass tone. Well, no, actually the bass is fine. You know, like, like it's, it's it, that to me is just invaluable to be able to have somebody to say, because I will obsess over everything, over every little detail and to have somebody that's as professional as he is and as great as he is kind of, not hold my hand, but essentially hold my hand to, to kind of walk me through it. Well, great you know, I know, I know how it's done in, in television and, and film. I mean, Tyler Perry is notorious mm -hmm. for shooting a scene. And then instead of redoing it, he goes, don't worry about it. We'll fix it in post <laughs> is recording music. Does it get to that point? Sometimes you're like, now we'll fine tune uh, it in editing. Probably. Yeah. You know, I mean, not, because, but like, I think it's the same idea, but it's a little flipped because in that, and because Tyler Perry is still kind of the artist, like it's, it's his vision, you know what I mean? And so like, what I need mm -hmm. to do is trust the process more, you know, I can easily get myself wrapped up in, oh, it's not where it's at when the song is about 60% done. But just if I let Brent work and do his thing, it's going to sound better than what I, what I, thought it should which that that happens pretty often is he'll he'll send me a rough edit and i'm thinking oh well i should fix this and this and this and when really it's just not done yet you know like it's just like the, the things aren't tuned up yet or it's just there's little details that will be added later 
And so it's kind of the same idea, just a little flipped. Yeah. Okay. So you go, okay. Then you go into the recording mm-hmm. uh, studio. <clears throat> you have songs. They're yep. your babies. Is it hard to turn those babies over to it a producer? It wasn't first. Um, it's not now. Like, it's, for for me, it's gotten to where, heck, man, I sent him living. I had, I wasn't done writing it yet. Like, I, I, I had the song structured. I knew what I wanted to do, but lyrically, it wasn't done yet. And so I sent him that with probably the first verse written and half of the second verse. And the second chorus changes, that was not written yet. Like, so probably that song was only halfway done, but I loved how it sounded. I loved how it flowed. I was like, I got to send this to him now, and then I'll just rewrite it later. And that's about what, what happened. Was he, dude, I actually think I was writing that song on the way to his house to record because I, it was that second chorus I wasn't quite done with yet. And so, and that, that's happened pretty often because he's like, his vision is our, we see things pretty closely, you know, where like, I can kind of say what I think that I want and he knows what I want. And, um, but when I first got started, um, I got kind of screwed over some by, a producer guy and we all kind of have that story of somebody took like 500 bucks from us, you know? And so I was very self-conscious first of all, and I was very just weary of going to a second person and Brent was fantastic. And so when I, I remember getting the first few mixes and I was like, golly, this is me. Like, so I, I trusted him pretty quickly and like pretty fast. And so, but it was just getting over that initial, let's do one song, you know what I mean? And then see how things go. But yeah, man, now it's like, I'll have a song 40% done and I'll send it to him about there. And then I, which is good for me because then it gives me a timetable to like finish the song too. Yeah. yeah yeah now i know that recently you crossed over three million streams uh what do you think that says about being an independent artist uh, that it's possible you know I, I think i mean we could debate about pay rates and spotify rates and apple music and all that there isn't a reason to even talk about that um but it shows that it's possible that you can kind of build a brand um you know, I think I, I think I've, I said this last time, like I'm a good example of somebody who is probably two years behind of where they should be because I held myself back for so long. And, uh, you know, I and it's also kind of a testament that you can kind of figure things out. You know, I don't have a manager or a publicist. I mean, we just kind of do a Instagram chat thing and like, you know, and so I kind of just figure everything out. I kind of do everything essentially by myself, um, but that it's possible to kind of do this. Um, that's to say, if like a publishing company called me, I would answer in a heartbeat, you know. But um, as of yeah. right now, uh, yeah, it just shows that it's possible, man. As cheesy as that sounds. Well, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not cheesy at all. Yeah, it's man. just the truth, but... Uh, where do you, where do you want your career to go? That's a next? good question. I mean, well, what, what's the next actual step that you I would get love to? a publishing deal to be a songwriter, um, and go from there. I, that kind of feels like the natural next step for me. 
Um, I'll be honest. I mean, it's been kind of frustrating, you know, because like I look at my numbers every day, you know, we had a gig last week and we kind of packed out the whole place. And, you know, these numbers now have been consistent for about two and a half years. And I kind of sit back and I go, "Ah, what else do I have to prove? You know, is, is going viral on TikTok Mm -hmm. the next thing? I don't know. Like, so like that, that's kind of the frustration of where I'm at, you know, cause like I listen to the intro and I'm like, Holly, you know, we, we've done a lot the past couple of years. It's just kind of finding the next door to open. And, um, but yeah, I would love some type of publishing deal and the be a songwriter and, the write some more. Yeah. Well, what about touring? Oh, I would love that too. Yeah. I mean, the, the, it's really like goal 1A, goal 1B, you know, like I would love to be a full-time artist. Um, and if that didn't happen, I'm fine with being a lead guitar player in a band. If that didn't happen, I'm fine with just being a songwriter, you know? So, um, yeah, I would love to do all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know one thing, you're an amazing artist. Your songs are fantastic. Uh, and, and I don't just say this to say this. You literally have no bad songs. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to hear some of these songs, you, you know, head to iTunes or Spotify and look up Patrick Carpenter. Check out the brand new single, Living. Uh, <clears throat> and you have so many amazing songs. And to have that many listeners and that many streams, you know, there's a fan yeah. base there. And you have a, I know on Spotify, You've got a great um, monthly uh, listenership there. And, um, I, you know, to me, I think you got, uh, you know, there's going to be some amazing steps uh, ahead of you. And uh, you can Hopefully only go so, up right. and get and Hopefully. get bigger. Hopefully so. That's the best <laughs> way I can put and it. And ladies and gentlemen. Well, yeah. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, you got to take it from me because I, 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 I interview so many recording artists and a lot mm-hmm. of independent artists. So, and, and I'm one of the biggest supporters of independent artists. They, they pound the ground every single day. If they're touring or if they're writing, they're singing, they're recording, getting that music out. And they're not just doing it for fun. They're doing it because they believe yeah. that's what they want to do for the rest of their lives. And these people are highly talented. Patrick Carpenter is exactly one of those people that's highly talented in all of these areas. And I can tell you this, Patrick, you're out of a lot of the independents I've talked to. You're one of the most successful when it comes to having extremely high numbers of streams for an independent artist. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know. And it just, it, it frustrates me because I know so many who just don't want to put the time in on it. And you're talking to somebody who has, yeah. like, I've been, I'm going into my sixth year of coaching high school football, and that just is is a not is not the best paying gig. I mean, it took me four years of coaching football to finally like get get paid something. And so like my use my yeah. usual day is what used to be like waking up at six a.m., going to a full time job, leaving the full time job at two thirty going to football practice and then after football practice, most nights probably have a gig and then go to that gig and then do all the same things again on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, you know? And so like, 
I still found a way to find time. You know what I mean? Like, and so like, yeah, it's just a and- matter of how bad do you actually want it? And cause for me, well, that yeah, that's true for me. Like, I don't, I don't really come from like a wealthy family. And so like, I've always had to work for things. And I think that sometimes money can be a hindrance. And for me, like, I, I just kind of had to figure it out, you know? And like, that's just, and I think that like that struggle, whether it's trying to go into music or go into sports or trying to be a better athlete or be whatever it is that you want to be is what has kind of keep, has kind of kept me going. You know what I mean? Because if I had paid for everything or if I didn't yeah, have to work all this behind the scenes stuff, like it makes me appreciate it more. And it kind of helps me see how there is a, tra- like there's a better tra- trajectory here now. And like, I'm making a bit of, of a living from it and everything. And so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I always tell everybody, buy the music because as ZZ Top said, we've got yes. to get paid. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's how this works. I know what it's like working for free until you finally, you know, uh, work hard enough to where it starts to turn around. But I want to ask you, Patrick, because it's going to be one year since you lost your dad unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you learned in the last year? Um, and what is your favorite memory of your dad? Memories, gosh, just, there's so many. Um, what I've learned, I I hate to say this now, but I actually see how proud of me that he was. I see see how proud he was of me more now than I probably did did then. Um, there's a golly man, learned a lot. Um, I think for me, like I have a problem with working too much. Um, whether it be music or it be football or it be whatever it is, um, for me, kind of just take the time for yourself. Cause when I think last year, when all this happened, I was going a hundred miles an hour every day. And like you know, I could have taken some, some time to not be doing that. And so I think that was, that's been for sure. Just one thing is appreciate the moment, appreciate each day as its own. Stop thinking about the next day. Um, I mean, we only have so long here, you know, and like, like that for sure has kind of been a big lesson too. Um, memories. There's so many. Um, I remember being 11 years old and playing guitar for about a year and we came up to CMA fest and me and dad had this, had this idea of let's go play on the sidewalk on Broadway, wherever, like whoever will just let us sit out front and play. Cause that was our, that was just, that's what we saw on TV and we thought that's the cool thing to do. And so we did that and I'll send you a picture of it. It was me with my Gibson Explorer and this little Marshall amp just loud as heck for no reason. And my dad with an acoustic guitar playing comfortably numb, LaGrange, uh, rocking, in the free world, like all that stuff on the sidewalk. And I've got a picture of that on my desk here at, at work too. Um, I mean, there's so many, I, I like the, the very first gig that I did back home in Jackson, uh, Mississippi after being here, um, I, uh, dad ran the merch table 
And so we had the place packed out and to look back there and to see dad just standing on top of the bar stool with my t-shirt on, which is hilarious for whatever reason. Um, I think like one of the biggest things that I will re- that I remember about my dad was how he would sacrifice for people. Um, like my parents were both so good about knowing that I was talented without pushing me to have to be the best. Like in the football world, I see that a lot. I see a lot of athletes are very talented and, and their parents see it too. And so their parents are overworking them and over parenting them and over like trying to get them to be the best when almost like it's as important for the kids to make it to the NFL as it is for the parent. And with my dad and with my parents, like it was, you know, it was obvious to see I was good at this pretty, pretty early on. And they never just pushed me like that. Like they were like, Hey, if you make it great, if you don't, that's, that's fine too. And there were several like Christmases where, you know, we didn't have everything, but somehow, some way they found a way to sacrifice and get me whatever it is that I just kind of had to have. And that was always the, the deal. And so like, like those things I will forever, like, hopefully if I have kids too, like I put that same type of parenting to them also. So. Yeah. And that, and that's the the best example ever. I mean, I know what it's like. I mean, I lost mine back in 99 and uh, you know, yeah. The day doesn't go by that the the memories pop back in and they'll always be there. And the great thing is, is those memories are things that we yeah. can look back on. We can learn from One, um, sometimes we don't know until after the yeah. fact that we're like, Oh, so that's what he was trying to teach me. That's yeah. what he was trying to show me. And, but that's good too. It just means that mm-hmm. their memory, the memory of them continues to speak to us and to, to guide us some way through life. One so it's all good. That- I, that I can just not get past that was so good was so when everything happened last year, the EMT person um, asked for his military ID, I think. And so I had to go into his wallet and I, when I took it out, three of, of my picks were in there. And I said, mom, why does he have these? And she goes, well, if you ever, needed a pick at, at a gig or at church or whatever, he would have one for you. I was like, Oh, okay. You know, cool. That's, that's sweet. So I saved them. And the thought process was when I see him for the last time, I'm going to put them in his coat pocket. So, uh, we go to the funeral home and I put them in his coat pocket. And then the next day was, was the service. So we go and I get there kind of early cause I, I did a, few songs and I realized, Oh no, I don't have a guitar pick. And so I knew I was going to see dad later on, like in, a, in like an hour. So when I saw so when I saw him for the last time, I kind of just reached on in there and I got one of those picks out really quickly. And it was almost like, yeah, he again had a pick for me, you know? And so, and then when we went to the cemetery, I just popped this, Toss it back in. And so, but he just kind of always had the right answers, always had something for me, always 
when I thought I forgot something, he always had it, you know, like, cause he knew I was probably going to forget it. And so, yeah. Good stuff. Wow. That is the most, that is mm-hmm. an, an incredible story, Patrick, a yeah. touching story. Um, in the very he end, the guitar he still he had the guitar pick for you. And I did And need you it. needed it. You yeah, needed him at the very end. I the church for band practice for Sunday that next Wednesday. And what did I forget? A pick. <laughs> Every time. The worst guitar player on the planet. I don't ever have a pick on me. And so, uh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Well, I'm, I think we're okay. going to end it on that because there's no way Fantastic. to top that story. And ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Carpenter's brand new hot single, Living. I, I will guarantee you'll be singing it by the second time you hear it. You want to go to Pat. It's at the bottom of your screen. Pat Carp, C-A-R-P, music.com slash E-P-K. Check out all of his music. And again, what do we always say? You buy the music, okay? Especially with these independent recording artists like Patrick Carpenter and others. This is what it takes, ladies and gentlemen. Just don't download this stuff for free. Invest in their career. Invest in their music so we can hear more and more of it. And again, when they come to your town to tour, buy the ticket, buy the merch, and uh, buy and, and enjoy every single song that they play for you. And Patrick, man, so it's always great to have you on the show. And uh, man, you yes, just sir. keep on Thank keeping on. Again, and I really don't just say this. This is my favorite show to come on. And so it is an absolute blast. Well, I'm I'm glad you said that. And I know that you're actually very sincere about that because I know that uh, you and I have a great time talking music, talking guitar playing, and talking about other uh, guitarists. And, uh, Matt, you are welcome back anytime, my friend. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Carpenter, hot new single, Living, check it out and go to patcarpmusic.com slash EPK. And as for me, stay tuned. We'll be right back with more. No energy, always fatigued. Has your got up and go, got up and went? Primrose Leafs Pro Max 365 helps to produce natural energy, increase endurance and stamina, improve performance during exercise, reduce pain from fibromyalgia, and is excellent for cardiovascular support. A doctor-designed, deliciously berry-flavored formula that's great for ages 18 to 99. Order Pro Max 365 and get the natural energy you've always wanted. Call 844-376-0007. Refuel daily with Pro Max 365 and get your life back. 844-376-0007. 